Well, as I said, we're going to look at the A in the shape part today. A is abilities, and they are closely related to spiritual gifts, yet they're different. My hope is that as we start to consider and discover the God-given abilities that we have, we're going to begin to use them alongside our spiritual gifts and our heart passions to serve the kingdom of God in mission and ministry. Now, when I was in my late teens, I went to the audience of The Price is Right. Do you remember the show? You'd remember the show. I was in the audience. And if you don't know The Price is Right, you, you spin the wheel and it flickers around and then you've got to say a letter and it goes on the board. And I think that's the right one. I think I might have mixed them up. But anyway, and, and, and anyway you've got to try and work out what's on the board. And I didn't go, Larry Emder took it on a while back, but I was back in the Ian Turpy days. And if you're over 40, you're sitting there going, oh, I remember the Ian Turpy days. And it was fantastic. <laughs> you're nodding away, yeah, that's it. And, and I went into the show with some friends and were asked a few questions. And these questions were to ascertain whether you were a suitable candidate to have your, your name called out to come on down. And I've been told that, that you, you have to have something interesting that you do, something that would be a talking point when Ian Turpy came and stood next to you and chatted to you. And I remember standing in front of this guy who had a clipboard and a pen. There was no iPads back then. Yes, I am old. And, and, and I remember just coming up with a blank. I couldn't speak. I couldn't speak backwards. I couldn't make a cup of coffee whilst on my hands. I couldn't make my eyebrows dance, dance like this, this girl that we're going to see in a second. There we go. You know we're all trying to do it now, don't you? And there's a few really talented people out there that will be doing it right now, I know that. <laughs> but I couldn't do those sort of things. <laughs> but it made me ask a question, what actually could I do? What, what could I do that was of any interest to Ian Turpy or to anyone? What abilities did I actually possess that could make them... Con- called my name to come on down. Did I really have anything to offer the price is right? The deeper question was, did I have anything that was to offer this world? And as I looked at others and I started to see them use their abilities and sort of what made them unique, it made me question my own worth. Why couldn't I play basketball like Dave? Why couldn't I draw like Paul? Why was Megan so smart? (laughs) So I compared the abilities that I had with everyone else, and I just seemed to keep coming up short. And it made me feel inadequate, as if I had nothing to offer. Maybe I'm not alone in that feeling. Perhaps you've felt that before. Maybe it's your lived experience right now. This morning, I want to encourage you, because through this Shape series, we've, we've already heard in that first week, we've heard that God has made you unique. God has designed you for His purposes. God's given those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior a gift, a special gift from the Spirit of God to use to enhance the kingdom of God. Then last week we talked about this heart that God's given you, a heart that in the some ways beat in the same heartbeat as God. And that's what Rod and Kaz were talking to us about this morning. Perhaps you've had a similar heartbeat or a different one and you just haven't acted on it or you thought it wasn't important enough or, or you thought, what have I got to give? Be encouraged to explore doing something about that.
This week we're going to explore how God has given us different abilities to use in conjunction with our spiritual gifts, in conjunction with our heart's desires. And my hope is that you embrace those abilities to their full potential to be the person that God has designed or, or God has shaped you to be for his kingdom fulfillment. You know, I had to learn that I had to, I had to be me. The unique mix of spiritual gifts, of, of passions and of abilities, all given by God for me to do something within the kingdom of God. However, it is easy to look elsewhere and think, I want to be like, like that person. I want to try and develop the thing that they've got because that looks really good. And it wasn't really who God made me to be. Because you're meant to be you. And you're not meant to be anything else. You're meant to be you. And when you are you, the kingdom benefits. We're all given different abilities in life, aren't we? And it's obvious that people are different. None of us are alike. Physically, we're all shaped slightly differently. We're all different in some way. Some of you were never meant to play basketball. <laughs> On the other hand, there are some who were meant to play basketball. Michael Jordan was made for basketball. He wasn't made to be a jockey. <laughs> he didn't have the physique to be a jockey. Many of us are never going to be ballerinas. We're just not made that way. We might try, and it's fun dancing with my daughter, as she does with ballet, but it looks so much better when she does it than when I do it. <laughs> so, some of us are great with numbers, and other of us are great with words, but both don't become accountants. Some are good at using their hands to create masterpieces, whereas others use their ability to plan to create a show to show those masterpieces. We're different and we need to accept that and work together to impact the kingdom of God. The problem is when we expect everyone to have the same abilities or you want people to have the same abilities as you or you want to have the same abilities as everyone else or other people, we actually start trying to look the same. And there's a story about some animals. They started to start a school. And the, school, uh, the courses that they sort of ran for this school included running, climbing, swimming, and flying. But they decided that every animal needs to take all the courses. And that's where the problem started. The duck was better than his teacher at swimming, but he made only passing grades in flying, and he was really poor at running. So they made him drop out of swimming and stay after school to practice running. Now, this caused his poor little webbed feet to be so badly worn, his grade dropped to an average in swimming. But everyone, everybody felt less threatened and more comfortable with that, obviously, except for the duck. <laughs> the rabbit, well, starred in the top of his class at running. But because so much had to, be, had to make so much work of, of the swimming, he caught pneumonia and had to drop out of school altogether. The squirrel. That could climb, the squirrel could climb, but was very frustrated in the flying class because his teacher insisted that he start from the ground rather than from the treetop. You've got to just fly from the start. Well, he developed a, a, a problem with, with his muscles because of the overexertion, and then he got a C in climbing as well and a D in running. The eagle was a problem student from the start, and discipline was hard because he was a nonconformist. For instance, in the climbing class, he could beat all the others to the top of the tree, but he insist, insisted on using his own way to get there. Flying, obviously. 
Finally, because he refused to participate in swimming, the eagle was expelled. <laughs> you know, the point is that God's designed every creature with certain abilities to excel in certain areas. You know, in those areas in which you are not gifted or able, you're not going to excel. When you force someone into a mold where they're not able or gifted or they don't have the ability, you can start to cause guilt and frustration. You start to see mediocrity and and failure, even in the things that you were gifted at. See, a duck's meant to be a duck. It's shaped to swim. So what's God given you that you can use and excel at for the benefit of his kingdom? Throughout the Bible, we find ordinary people using God-given abilities for God's glory. There's a story, uh, a small story of a man named Bezalel in the book of Exodus. You may have come across him. If you've got your Bible or a device or whatever you look up your, your scriptures in, I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 31. And we're going to read verses 1 to 5 together. Exodus 31, verses 1 to 5. I'm going to read from the NIV. Exodus 31. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, and the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. We don't really hear a whole much more about Bezalel through Scripture. We find him in the next few chapters in, in, um, in Exodus and goes up to sort of chapter 38. His name's sort of spotted in and out. But he, he, he's, he's tasked to, to build the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant. It's really important roles. You can also find him in the genealogy sort of verses in Chronicles and in Ezra. But who was he really? We're told in the verses that we just read in Exodus 31 that he was the son of Uri, he was the son of Hur, from the tribe of Judah. Now, who are they? Well, Hur, he was known to be a companion of Moses and Aaron. So he may have had some sort of standing there in the community. However, there was no great prominence within the community as such. We only have this slight genealogy. But we're also cho- as told that Bezalel was chosen by the Lord. He may not have been a prominent person and prominent figure, but he was chosen by the Lord. The question to ask there is, well, what was he chosen for? Well, verse 3 provides us with the answer. It says, And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. The Spirit of the Lord, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and all kinds of skills. We might look at that and think, excellent, a man of wisdom, great, that's what we need. A man that has got good knowledge and understanding. He's a man that's going to be beneficial for the kingdom of God. He's going to be such an asset. (laughs) But as we continue reading, the following two verses don't highlight how his wisdom or his understanding or his knowledge impacts a kingdom. Rather, it's the skill sets that God's given him. His natural abilities that God uses in this space. What is God using? All kinds of skills, it says. Verse 4 and 5 tell us what those skills are. Skills to make artistic designs for working gold, silver and bronze, to cut and set stone. They're not easy things to do. 
to work in wood. I tried to work in wood as a kid and it just didn't work. I still try and work with wood and my enemy. And to engage in all sorts of crafts. I watch the craft ladies do their craft and I think, wow, they're gifted in craft. And then they, I, and I always say, don't, don't give that to me because I, it won't look good. <laughs> this guy, Bezalel, was gifted in all this stuff. God had given Bezalel such a wonderful natural ability to work with precious metals and gems and woods that this was a man chosen to make the most important items that had ever been made. The, the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant. See, God uses Bezalel's abilities for God's ultimate glory. But I think it goes even a little further than that. The writer here gives a hint as to how it all ties together. Because it's no accident that we hear of Bezalel being spirit-filled, knowledgeable and wise and understanding. Because Bezalel has these abilities, yet his wisdom and his knowledge led him to the way in which his natural talents could be used. You see, your, your abilities, these natural talents, if being used in the kingdom of God, they're not going to contradict or replace or get in the way of the spiritual gifts and the heart passion that you've been given. Rather, God's going to sort of bring them together, mold them together. And when you start exercising your gifts and abilities along with the passions that God's placed in your heart, you're going to find that God's going to use you in areas of your greatest strengths and those areas where he's given you those abilities to shine. Bezalel was given the opportunity to use his abilities by God in assigning him to the task of building the, these really important um, parts of God's uh, furniture, I suppose. Exodus 36 verse 1 says this, So Bezalel and another fellow, Oliab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill, so God gave them the skill, and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary, are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. You see, God didn't get those who were great orators or writers to come and start building the tabernacle. God chose those with whom he gave skill and ability to do that. And God has given each of us skills and abilities which he has chosen in order to benefit the kingdom of God. How awesome is that? Now, it's important to understand uh, abilities as opposed to spiritual gifts. So, so I want to give us three quick tips, I suppose, to understand our abilities. The first one is that God gives all of us abilities, every single person. Yet God gives those who love him spiritual gifts. Now, it's important to make that distinction between the gifts and, and God-given abilities. Abilities, they're sort of natural talents. They're, they're given by God, yet they're brought down through your parenting line most of the time. They're nurtured in the context of family. Now, if you've been to church, you'll have seen Tarquin as a young fellow playing the drums. He's fantastic on the drums. Jasper has been playing the saxophone for a couple of years, and he seems to have a, a natural talent and an ear for it. Kyra, as a six-year-old, um, picks up the piano in no time, better than I do. It's unbelievable. Music comes pretty easily for my kids. I would say music comes naturally. Of course, there are those who work really hard at an instrument and end up being really good. I'm not saying you can't do that. However, I, say, I would say God's given my kids a natural ability to play music. And it's no coincidence because Solari and I are both musicians and we both love music as well. Abilities are God-given, but can come through your lineage. 
Now, spiritual gifts are also God-given, but they're a gift that we received directly from the Spirit of God when we become a believer in Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 says this, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit, so God's manifestation is given, why? For the common good. The manifestation of God, that's what we sort of call the the spiritual gifts, I suppose. They're used for the common good, for the growth of the kingdom. Sometimes we might elevate these these gifts bigger than our God-given abilities. But I found a quote that I liked, and it was by this fellow called J. Warner Wallace. said this, If we accept the premise that an all-powerful God is the creator of all matter and life, it's reasonable to conclude that our abilities must ultimately come from God, who created everything in the first place. I really like that. God gives us gifts and abilities. Our role is to embrace them and use them for building up the kingdom of God, inside the church but also in the community that God's placed us within. The second thing we got or the tip we need to remember is that every ability can be used for God's glory. 1 Corinthians 10:31 says, "So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God." Now, researchers have said that the average person has between 500 and 700 abilities. It's a bit sad when I could stand in front of this guy and not think of one. <laughs> Many of these you don't really even know about. You just do because they're, they're, they're done. Moving your arm can be considered a natural ability. Each of those can be used for God's glory. You can repair a car to the glory of God. You can balance financial books to the glory of God. You can make a meal to the glory of God. You can manage an office to the glory of God. You can make a sale to the glory of God. You can shoot baskets to the glory of God. These, whatever you do, you can do it to the glory of God. In England, there was a football player, a soccer player, if you're an Aussie, but in England we used to say it was a football player, and they used their foot to kick the ball, so it made sense. <laughs> this guy named Linvoy Primus, he played for Portsmouth, who at the time were a Premier League, um, the top tier of the football in the UK, and we used to go for Portsmouth, we lived in, in Portsmouth. Now, Linvoy, he was a Christian, or he is a Christian, and he would get to... to, to, to together, all who were around, and he'd start to pray. And he'd pray before he went out to these premiership games. Now, at our church was the physio for Portsmouth as well. And he would join Linvoy in praying. And others sort of then started coming in and praying for them. Eventually, Linvoy ran an alpha course through the football club. Now, this isn't just your local footy club. This is the highest league in the nation. You think God was using Linvoy's natural ability of football combined with his spiritual gifts and his personality, all for the glory of God? Of course he did. Hmm. Now you might be saying, how can, I, how can the ability that I use in my business, how can I sort of make, when I make deals in my business, how can that, how can that be used for the glory of God? Well, you need to start by recognizing where the ability came from in the first place. See, God, I realize that you gave me the ability to make these deals. You gave me the ability to engineer this project or manage this project. You gave me the ability to to make that sale. Recognize God within your abilities. You bring glory to God when you act ethically and morally within a business. 
when you don't cheat people. You stand up against the norms of gossip. You speak the truth rather than go with the white lies. It brings glory to God through the abilities he's given you. Use what God's given you for his glory. And the third quick tip is, my ability shows God's plan for my life. Have you ever thought that the the things I'm able to do, perhaps that's what God wants me to do? (laughs) So if you're good at design, do you think God might want you to use your ability somehow to design stuff? (laughs) Rather than spending your time trying to be a farmer, say? (laughs) If you're good with people, perhaps God doesn't want you to be stuck in a room doing admin forever. Someone... Someone else says that that sounds like a dream. Put me in the room with admin. Fine. That's, that's, everyone's got a different gift and ability. A good indication of his will for your life is to simply look and see what are the abilities he's given you. Why would he give them to me and then waste them? Rick Warren talks of a book called The Sea Zone. In it, it says that every one of us are operating at any point in one of three performance zones. It determines how you feel, and, and it determines how you feel. The first zone is what the author calls the panic zone. The panic zone is when your abilities don't match up to the task you have. You're way over your, your sort of head in the water, and you know it. You're sort of treading water, and you're going under. What am I going to do in this job? Why did I get this task? I just can't do it. And you're over your head, and you feel totally stressed out, and he calls that the panic zone. If I was to ask you to come and preach one of our Christmas services, most of you would probably dive into the panic zone. (laughs) At the other end of the continuum, he he has what we call the, the drone zone. The drone zone is where the task is so easy and so predictable and doesn't use your talent and ability that you're bored out of your brains. There's no challenge or enjoyment. It's predictable and it's boring. You've got 100% ability and it's maybe using 5 or 10% of it. And you're totally bored. Now, in between these two zones is what he, the panic zone and the drone zone is what he calls the C zone. Confidence, commitment, and control. See, in the C zone, it's where your abilities match the tasks that you have. You're feeling challenged by your, what you're doing, but you're not stressed out by it continually. Because you know that you're in control of it. You can handle the situation. That's the C zone. Another person called it the J zone, which is the joy zone. Because it's where you really enjoy every aspect of your life. Because you're in the place that God has ordained you to be. We've got to find that joy zone. See, God's given you abilities to use for his kingdom glory. Our role is to embrace them to use them in combination with our spiritual gifts and our heart passions. And we can make a massive impact for Jesus wherever we may be. Can you imagine that kingdom impact that would be made if we all lived out and embraced the abilities that God's given us? Now, I'm sure there's some of us watching today and thinking, like I did when I was standing in front of this guy with the whiteboard at the Price is White, right? What on earth have I got as a talent? What have I got as a natural ability? Especially one that could be used with a gift that I may not fully understand yet for the kingdom of God. Pretty soon I'm going to put up on the screen a list that Eric Rees put in his book that's entitled Shape. I'm going to give you a few minutes then to, to um, just to have a look at the various 
attributes, abilities uh, that you see and find ones that resonate with you. Now, it's not an exhaustive list of abilities. It's just some and you might find one or two that you go, yep, I can connect with them. And as you see them up on the board, you can ask three questions. Is this something that I love? I absolutely love. I mean, I love it in such a way that I can't do without having that. It might be be your job. It might be part of your job. But you think, this is what God made me for. And you say, that's a green light uh, ability for me. Is it something that you just like? You may enjoy doing it, but it doesn't leave you with that feeling that you've had to sort of go and do it again over and over. It might have been performing and you think, you know, I enjoyed doing the performing thing once, and, but I can do without it again. I've had to ask this question of young preachers. Hey, you preached a good message. How did you feel when you stepped back off the platform? And the answer is quite often is, I liked it, but I'm not happy to do it again real soon. <laughs> or sometimes you get the answer, I liked it. And I want to embrace that. I want to explore it and I want to go for it. Gives you an understanding whether it's a green or an orange light. The third one is, is this something that I can live without? And these are the things that you do, but you don't like doing it. So you may be doing it to please someone or to do something or whatever it might be. Or men, you might have been to a painting class with a girl because you thought that it'd impress her and just didn't find the same excitement of painting as your girlfriend did. I don't know what it might be. <laughs> but it might be something where you go, no, nah, no, nah, that's, that's, not, that's not really me. I'll let someone else utilize their ability that they're passionate about that. We're going to put those words back up on the screen. And I'm going to give you a couple of minutes just to look through those words. It's going to be silent here. We're not going to have um, all that much noise. We might um, get the musicians up in a minute and they can start playing through the last song a little bit. But I just want to give you a little bit of time. If you've got a pen and paper, just write down out of this list ones that stand out to you. It may not be an exhaustive list. There may be a lot more. Or, or, Or perhaps this might be a starting point for you. In a few minutes, I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to let the band take over and uh, bring us our final song. But let's have a little bit of space now, a couple of minutes to look at these words and see whether they're green, orange or red for us. As you've looked at this list, if there's something that really sets your heart a little bit excited (laughs) and you think, I'm not using that ability, but I know that it's there, I want you to embrace it. You know, I'm looking forward to going home and this afternoon having some, some cake that Jasper had made. He's such a good cook. It's not... It's not something that he just has really worked at a lot and a lot and a lot, although he does. But he's just a good cook. He's got a natural ability with it. And it brings pleasure to us. 
<laughs> and many other people. <laughs> Our neighbours love his cooking. I wonder if there's something that you've seen today and you've gone, I need to work on that. I need to use that so that I can be utilised within the kingdom of God in a greater way. That others will see the gifts and the abilities that I'm using for His glory and want to know so much more. Let's be faithful as we utilise the shape that God's made us for His kingdom. Let's pray. Our God, we give you thanks and praise that you are good, that you give us good things, that you don't withhold uh, abilities, you don't withhold things from us. Rather, you give it to us with gladness that we might be impacting the world for you. And God, we might only start with the person next door. We might only start impacting the community just around us. But Lord, we trust that as your word goes out, as people see the good deeds of your people, that they will want to know. And that will tell others. And that will tell others. And God, we're going to see a ripple of your kingdom growth within this area, Kilsyth South, to Croydon, to Moorabark, to Ringwood, to Mitcham, then to Melbourne, to the rest of Australia, throughout the world. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done. We thank you, God. Amen.